podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Slips in the Gully. I'm joined in studio with my mates here. I've got Glenn. Hello. And I've got Skip. How you doing, Skip? Yeah, I'm alright, mate. Yourself? I am pretty good. Pretty good. Little second hand, but I'm pretty good. Ready and raring to go. So, uh, as we promised in our last episode, which was uh, a little while ago, um, we would cover off the third test between England and Pakistan, so that's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to drag the uh, soapbox out a little bit later on again, because uh, guess what? I've got something else I want to whinge about. And at the end of it, um, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the uh, ODI series coming up between England and Australia. Mm. Australia, who's uh, probably been the best one-day international side for my lifetime in terms oh. of the amount of years at the top versus the big dogs right now. So mm. can... Uh, it's a very long-term standpoint, but yeah, okay. Well, considering <laughs> in the last five World Cups, we've only let other people have it twice. Yeah. yeah. So... Okay. Fair. And England stole it once, so whatever. Yeah, well, New Zealand have it, and then they just yoinked it out of their hands and went, ah, technicality. <laughs> but uh, there's no... There's no doubt in the last 18 months that England have been the big dogs at one day in the national cricket, which has usually been where we sit for yeah. years gone by. It's just sort of been we rocked up and whichever whichever guys we decided to pick for, for that game usually got the job done. We had a, a history, especially sort of between, say, 2007 and 2015, where we'd be picking players just to see if they would be good enough to make our World Cup squad. So we've got a lot of... Players got blooded and we still ended up winning. So it's a bit of a shock to us Aussies to not be at the top of the tree for the ODI side. Yeah. But um, it doesn't feel right. Hopefully, in the next few weeks, we'll have a, a bit of redemption. The Aussies are in the middle of some warm up games, intra squad matches at the moment to get themselves fighting fit. So we'll uh, have a look at that and have a bit of predictions for the series. But first and foremost, we've got to go and talk about how this Pakistan and England series wrapped up. So all that is coming up in just a sec. Here we go. Ryan Harris. So, the third test, all of our predictions were, were off, I think, every single one of them. I called for two Barbarazam centuries and I got none. All right. <laughs> I think we were calling for Pakistan to level the series up. Yeah. I think you were calling Glenn for England to win the test and go 2 nil up. Or was it you, Gary? I can't remember. Yeah. We got nothing. We got another draw. Well, That's look, <laughs> maybe we... We were quite optimistic, as Australians generally are, but we don't live in England, so we, we, sh- we should have known. Yeah. If we did live there and we were constantly under the, you know, the, the constant rain that seems to just be a permanent dome in that country, we, we probably would have predicted and, and seen that coming. So this is, of course, a another test that was affected by rain, but... Um, in all credit to England, they put the result beyond doubt with their first innings with the bat, which was incredibly impressive. Started off being quite promising for Pakistan. They um, 
Had England reeling early. They were the four for 127 at one point. They knocked over um, Burns, Sibley, Root, and Pope. Um, things looking really good. Just had Butler to go before they got into the bowlers. And then came one of the great all-time test partnerships between Zach Crawley and Joss Butler. Uh, Crawley going through to his maiden 100, which then ballooned into a gargantuan score of 267, which I think is the third highest score made by a player who's on his debut 100. Right. So um, I think Wally Hammond was the only one that went, like I remember going further. Right. Uh, Rob okay. Key got 200 and something for his maiden 100 as well. He's another guy obviously got quite a lot of airtime as he's one of the commentary team for Sky Sports. And uh, yeah, you would have loved that. He's forever talking up Zach Crawley. They're apparently very close. Right. Um, so, And that's something that we've been talking about since the West Indian series, about how good Crawley looked, and he's finally got a decent run at the crease. Well, that's one thing we did see coming, you know, like maybe not to the extent that it ended up happening, but... We definitely liked the look of Crawley from the very start of that West Indies series. Mm. And he got left out. Yeah. He was the one who was left out. He was left out so um, they could play the extra bowler because Ben Stokes couldn't bowl. Um, mm. Phenomenal innings from from the guy. He he looks good. He, he looks like he's coming with um, a bit of aggression. He likes to score. He's also... One thing that really... What really impressed me, though, was he got bogged down, I think it was in the 40s or so. He, like, raced to 40-odd. It was yeah. batting really well, and they dried the runs up for ages. And I think other than one sort of wafty cover drive at um, Shaheen Shah Afridi going, so he's sort of bowling across him, was the only false shot that he played. And it took him probably about four or five overs to get from the 40s through to the 50s, but he held his nerve and just went... Nah, this isn't my time, this isn't my time, this isn't my time, and got there, and then obviously then went on to for bigger and better things that we've obviously seen, um, which shows he's got quite a lot of resolve. He's not all just flash, and he's not all dour. I think that quite potentially Crawley could go on to be one of the, the big shining lights of English batting if he continues that sort of form and that sort of mindset to bat to batting. You look at Kevin Peterson, who was a guy that... Um, is quite highly regarded in the English batting circles. He was a guy that was fairly aggressive, um, also knew when to sort of, well, at his peak, knew when to put the, <laughs> the, the shots away. Yeah. There's Did been plenty of times when... Um, Did he, though? Um, but, yeah, like, uh, I just, I like this this look. I mean, there's a lot of dour batsmen that have come out of England, obviously, with batting conditions being more difficult than other places in the world. One One of those people is John Crawley. <laughs> this guy's dad. <laughs> he um, obviously didn't um, get too many batting tips from his old man. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, he and Joss Butler crashed through for a um, for a, a well earned 152. He's a guy that in this podcast we have been just throwing everything bar the kitchen sink at. He's been awful with the gloves. He's looked terrible with the bat. But he's really yeah. put it together and crashed through. And he got a, a big score. His career high score 150. And, and like I said, Crawley and Butler got together and just got this game, like, out of reach. Pakistan, like, they couldn't lose the game from here. It was theirs for... As long as the, the weather held out, they were going to win. And unfortunately for England, the weather didn't hold out. Yeah. I mean, did Pakistan just not have the answers? I, I've got to say, I, I didn't see much of the partnership. Um, from oh. From where I'm sitting, I just think with all of the weather that went through 
in the previous test, because obviously this is played at the same ground, they haven't had as much time as they would have liked to prepare right. this pitch because it's all been under covers for so long. Mm. And then, so they've had to keep it dry because of the rain. Obviously, they've got to protect the, the pitches from the previous test. It's all under covers. So it's just dried out really quick. So, right. um, and you can tell in England struggled to dislodge Pakistan for the next two innings. They did a lot of their damage with um, overcast conditions when the ball was doing a bit. But yeah. on that last day when they were really trying to push for a victory, yeah. um, and uh, they only managed and, to rustle up a and, handful of wickets. And Pakistan uh, resorted to the tactics in the first innings of bowling absolute puffs. Um, uh, well, I don't... Farwad Alam got a couple of wickets. Uh, Asad Shafiq. At a bowl. To be fair, it was a hundred overs almost between wickets. Right. They took Joe Root at the thirty-fifth over, and they got Zach Crawley in the hundred and thirty-second over. Right. So um, mm. it wasn't like they went to Plan Z straight away. <laughs> they um, they toiled hard. Um, the yeah. wicket that they got uh, Sarge Feet picked up Crawley with was diabolical. They were just pitching it down leg side. Crawley. St- down to try and do something with it and missed it and got stumped leg side. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even know what a alarm bowls. I, I assume it's left arm something. Yeah, spin. Our, our friend Jake would say left arm fruit. Left arm fruit. He says everything's left <laughs> arm fruit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so England marched to an imperious total of 583 for eight declared. Um, Pakistan came out and um, this um, some classic James Anderson did a lot of damage with the new ball when it was still moving around. He picked up um, five, and England made that very difficult for him to get five. He was on four for for ages, and I think he had four dropped catches. He yeah. got the, found the edge four times, and they spilled it and were sobbing him to going from four to yeah, five. Yeah, I, I saw those. Yeah, um, <laughs> some of them were were awful. I tell you what, he did well not to just completely lose his shit on yeah. some of those, especially the last one that went to Stuart Broad at um, at mid on. Right. Because it just went straight to him. It was just a chess catch, and he's just bobbled it. He then got the run out, which meant that James Anderson couldn't pick up that wicket later right. on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no. Nah. He was he was determined to be brought. He, was, like, he wanted to get to 500 first. <laughs> was it 600 first? 600, that's right. Um, Christ. Uh, it, it set it up really well, though. That Pfeiffer that he got for that innings meant that... Um, 600, he was on 599, which heading into the yeah. second innings, he was then he got the wicket and went to 600. Um, but, yeah, there wasn't really a lot to talk about um, for most of the top order. They England were all over them. Farward Alam scratched around for 74 balls um, to make 21. But the highlights of that innings were Azhar Ali finally coming back to form after a really tough tour for the captain. Mm. He carried the bat, or not carried the bat because he didn't open, but you know from three he was not out at the end of play for 141. Looked really good. Um, still looked like he's susceptible to that ball that angles in at the stumps, so getting him to sort of fall over a bit and catch him LBW, but played with enough determination and grit that he managed to stay out of the way of that. Uh, Muhammad Rizwan again looked good. He's got his way to another fifty. Um, I think he's going to be a, a mainstay of Pakistan for for quite a while. He looks like he's he's got the goods both with the gloves and with the bat. Yeah, I love him. He's just a competitor, isn't he? 
He just doesn't doesn't give up. And you know that that uh, innings in the second test where he was batting with the tail. Just he's got the perfect uh, game for batting at seven as well. I'm not suggesting that they move him up the order. Yeah, uh, by no. by any means, but. It would be interesting to see how it would go if he wasn't coming in to just an absolute, like the world falling down around him. Yeah, Yeah, well, I don't know. I think he's got to be used to it, you know. Pakistan are known for their collapses. Um, But, yeah, so they fall short of the follow-on. What I I really love to see, uh, going back to Azhar Ali a little bit, when uh, when they finally were all dismissed, they were all out there, was still time to play. I think they were going to get maybe six or seven overs in for the remainder of that day. Azhar Ali stay padded, stayed padded up. He was going to come out and open the batting. Yeah. Um, because- I think I know why that is. You know, he's. I reckon we're about the same age. Um, and I've got to say, we've been playing a lot of uh, basketball and I've been doing a lot of exercise of late. I think his legs were just warm. He's like, I don't want to cool I down. I'm going to tell you now, my leg, my knees burn once you well, once you cool down. Well, I'm going to take the uh, the the storybook st- path I and mean, go that probably, he was. He's probably a little bit fitter than me. I don't know. I'm going to go the storybook path athlete. and say that he was being Captain <laughs> Courageous and just went, I've survived these guys all day. Don't yeah. worry, I'll go back out and face them for six overs tonight. Yeah. As it happened, the the umpires again went off a light. <laughs> and they didn't get back on. So they resumed their innings the next day and, no. you know, normality resumed. The openers came out. But I thought no. that was um, – um, I'm going to take a less cynical view and it wasn't just uh, health issues. It was the yeah. fact that he was prepared to roll the sleeves up for his team again. And no, I'm, I'm going to go ultra cynical and go, he was thinking, they're going to go off the light here. <laughs> 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 and I'm going to look like a hero. <laughs> <laughs> just like gets a little badge that says last real man of test cricket. <laughs> um, so moving over to England. So for the, um, for that innings, I suppose you guys didn't probably catch quite as much as the game as I did. I was on uh, on bed rest with a broken rib, so I didn't have to go to work so I could stay up as late as I wanted That's to. another product of uh, all the sport we've been playing. <laughs> <laughs> so I managed to sit up and watch basically the whole test. Um, Dom Bess got quite a burn in this one, and to be fair, it was probably on a pitch that was offering him a little bit. One for 68 off 18 overs going at 3.77 runs and over. He was a bit rusty, though, because he hasn't done anything for the last two teams. Mm, true. Yeah. I don't know. Do we, like, I, when he gets it right, he looks like a bowler that could certainly survive at test level, but he had quite a burn there, and I tell he just he bowls too straight to right-handers. He looks yeah. really good when he can bowl to left-handers. I think he likes that not that angle where he can angle it into the batsman and, he, and his natural variation will, will take the ball away from the left-hander. Yeah. But he he starts everything too mm. close to off stump and then spins it towards middle and leg and then they get worked to the leg side. Yeah. And when he but what they need to do, they need to find that footage of that Jason Crazier ball that he bowled to Laxman. You know the one. Yeah, I know the one. Um, and they just need to put that on repeat in like a projector <laughs> in this room. <laughs> they and just it, need to get him watching Nathan Lyon, honestly. Like Lyon, yeah, yeah. Lyon was Although the Lyon, same criticism. Lyon used to do the exact same exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same criticisms of Nathan Lyon early in his career that he was he bowled too straight and, and he's really in the last three to four years has gotten really good at hanging that ball outside off stump and getting it to – 
be pitching into off as opposed to landing on off and pitching in the leg, mm. making it a lot harder for them to flick him down to the leg side because when he corrected, he overcorrected and was too far wide of off and they then got on the back foot and yeah and played him through. Um, so he's got a lot of work to do. I hope they give him a bit more burn, but I can't imagine oh, I, that I he gets a lot more burn. No, I don't. Like, like test cricket is not the place to be honing your game. You go back to your county and you work on it. Mm. Or you go back to your state if you're, you know, if you're Australian. Or, you know, you go back to the electric company. Or, which, which again, <laughs> which confuses me because Don Bess plays for the same county as Jack Leach, so then got loaned to a Div 2 team. Right. So they've selected Don Bess out of a Div 2 team out of over their incumbent spinner from the Ashes. Right. Who, to be fair, I didn't think was much of a spinner either. His claim to fame will be the one run he scored in that partnership as opposed yeah, to any proficiency with the ball. He's a specialist number 11. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and, like, he, look, there wasn't a lot happening on, on day five, to be honest. But he bowled another 20 overs and didn't take any wickets either. So, mm. But he does give the commentators something to talk about. I suppose, especially because Warney was in there and, you know, talking about how... Oh. Like, the coverage is better, probably better than the one, the stuff we get on free-to-air in Australia now. The, the commentators are better, but they do have this habit of making the same point about 50 times. You know, like, <laughs> the English coverage... NASA says it, and then Warney says it, and then they go to the third man. And he and, says and the they same say thing. It. They say the same thing, but they package it into, like, a five-minute thing. Like, Yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's just it's, a bit weird. Oh, yeah, you can understand when it's raining all the time, there's not much to talk about. You sort of clasp onto whatever you can. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think they need a spinner. I don't, uh, I don't think. I, I, I totally believe that Joe Root's the best spinner in that team. Oh, and, yeah. and has been for quite some time. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, it's just a fact. But maybe uh, they're worried about overburdening Root. He's got the he's got the captaincy. He's batting. I don't know. He's batting at three now. He's batting at four. Four still. Okay, right. With Crawley, right, Crawley, Crawley, in, Crawley the in the side. Yeah, but yeah. You, you, in England, you don't really need a spinner. I'm sorry. Unless then possibly they've got an all rounder who bowls a bit of spin that they might be able to bring into the side for say someone like Ollie Pope that does a job like a Roston Chase sort of player, but you're not really getting any run. Like, you're getting some tail-ender runs yeah. out of best, but not really overly productive, and you're not really getting anything productive with the ball. I know it's, he's early. We've heard this a lot. He's only 23, plenty of room to grow, and it's like, yeah, but how long are you going to put up with him not really being a test-quality player before... Like, we've done this with Mitchell Marsh. Yeah. Like, oh, he's only young and he's full of potential. We'll just... Get him. No, he's... Make him earn his stripes playing for WA. You don't just throw him in there and go, well, he should get better with exposure. Like, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Let the guy go and learn how to that, play cricket. I mean, I feel like that works to a point, you know. Well, like, if, if, if you believe it works to a point, they should appoint me, like, vice captain of Australia, <laughs> and I could go on a tour, yeah. and I'll come back and tell you if it makes me a better cricketer. <laughs> <laughs> well... I don't care. I'll get what, to go on tour with Australia. Yeah, yeah well, I suppose just getting cleaned up, all ends up, every, maybe, I reckon, four ball. Four ball duck is probably the best that you'll get if you went on tour. Depends where we're playing. Where do you think that you'd score runs? 
on the PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the only place, let's be brutally honest. Yeah, just slay them. Slay them, as long as it was PlayStation cricket. <laughs> uh, other big news coming out of the English second innings, obviously, is uh, James Anderson. Wicket number 600 finally arrived in the second innings. He picked up Azhar Ali, caught at slip by Joe Root for number 600. And I have to say the most disappointing thing about this was that it was under COVID conditions because how amazing would it have been yeah. to see that happen at a full, at a full ground? Because you know that despite the fact that it was day five, there was no real hope of a result, that place would have been packed to see Jimmy get 600. Yeah. And instead of just panning shots of the crowd and just yeah. this amazing noise, and I'm sure there would the have only, been a Barmy Army song for the James Anderson. The heard was... Yeah, it was a bit disappointing. <laughs> the golf clap. That's pretty funny. The guy's got 600 wickets. 100 so wickets. There's no one it there. The golf clap. Like the same as someone who gets a, well, you can a actually, 50 on a syntho pitch in, you, in village cricket. You can you can hear the guys from the dressing room singing stuff out or yeah. cheering or whatever. <laughs> and you could, yeah, yeah, that's, that's got all about, they got. He got about 45 Pairs of hands giving yeah. him a round of applause as opposed to several thousand. But yeah. credit to James Anderson. Uh, what a phenomenal career. First pace bowler to go to 600 and will likely be, if not the last, the second last. I don't think that we'll see anyone other than maybe Stuart Broad hit that mark. Right. With the way that cricket's been played in our lifetime. with the In time, I reckon we will. You reckon? Yep. It's a lot of test matches that a fast yeah. bowler is for a fast bowler to play. I reckon in time. So you think because of all of the short form? Yeah, I think because of have. all of the short form, and and I think to be honest, the way cricket's looking at that, you know, we don't want it to happen, but I think it's obviously inevitable that that test cricket will probably become less prominent. So what other? No. It's not as it's not as economically viable as things like your T20s and one days and things like that. I think it'll all be held in high regard, but I think that outside of the big three, India, England, Australia, I think your the test playing numbers, I'm not talking like in the next year or so, but I could imagine in the next 10, 15 years, it yeah. starts to lose that momentum. Um, yeah. I hope it doesn't, but I mean, it's, it's the it's pessimist in me is thinking that we're probably bound for a future where less test cricket is probably going to be happening just because it is so expensive it and it's so it hard to for the casual cricket fan to digest it because there's all these bright, colourful, short versions of the game. They're called Muppets, Aaron. I'm unaware. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, but it, it's it, taken James Anderson over 150 test matches mm. as a fast bowler. Yeah. I haven't even played that many on the PlayStation. To get yeah. to 600. Um, I and, mean, and, and you, you can't over... over Emphasise the fact that that is an amazing achievement to be even to be able to play that many. Yes, yeah. I mean, he does to, play in England though. Yeah, I know, but it's still an amazing achievement. What do you What do you mean he j he plays in England? Well, we've had three tests and there was a result in one of them because of the weather. <laughs> so that's really four, so what, four what days in the field. <laughs> yeah, oh, so you're saying there's, le there's less strain on his body because yeah. he plays in England. Yeah. Okay, it's a it's a long bow, but I'll give it. It, to is, you. it is a very long bow, and, and you you like Glenn says, you really do have to give him the respect that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you don't respect that, you don't really like Test cricket. You don't really like the game. I mean, 
you can bag him out all you like because he's English, but you've got to respect that uh, that ability. Yeah, and so yeah, the first yeah. six hundred is quite an achievement. And like I said, I think that Stuart Broad's the only one. He's the only one going around now that I think will um, push for six hundred. I don't think any of the other bowlers will get. I think maybe Pat Cummins might crack the five hundred barrier. What maybe about the goat <laughs> Kagizo. Oh, in terms of fast bowlers. All right. Um, okay. Pat Cummins might crack, might crack the five hundred. Yeah. Uh, maybe Josh Hazelwood for, from Australia. Uh, Kagizo Rabada is uh, is another one, but you know he's it's, a he's a pretty hard hitting fast bowler. There's a very big chance that ne- none of those three guys their bodies hold up to get them to play enough tests to make it that far. Like it's a it's a it's a hard work being a fast bowler, and so credit to James Anderson for being mm. fit enough and and good enough. Like as you've seen, they they love showing it all through the, uh, um, through the series that uh, his average has gone down as yeah. as he's gone on. So he's gotten better. He's added more 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 tricks to his arsenal, I suppose. At the longer his career has gone, so that uh, yeah, that takes sure. a lot of work. How as well. many how many tests has he played? One hundred and fifty one or something. One hundred and fifty. No, it's more than 151. It is. I think it's 157 now. Well, there is... 156. 156. So there are seven, five people. No. Yes. <laughs> five people ahead of him who's played more tests. And that'd be Dravid, Jack Callis, Steve Waugh, Ricky Ponting, and the great Sachin Tendulkar. And so he's, he's in played all of cricket. He's played the fifth most amount of tests ever, ever. So and that's yeah. so you got to be and the most for a fast bowler. Oh, definitely. Uh, unless yeah. you count Jacques. Well, you kind of should. Yeah, he was. He was yeah, uh, but he didn't have to. Like Jay, he wouldn't have bowled. Had too many games where he would have been bowling. Yeah, forty-five overs in a test match. Yeah, he would have had some games where he didn't bowl at all, mm. with or the, a handful of overs. Yeah, with that attack. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so moving on from that. So, unfortunately, Pakistan, who we had great hopes for after that first test, didn't come away with, with anything, unfortunately. Came away with two draws and a loss. Yeah, they de- they definitely deserve something. Mm. They performed much better than the West Indies at times um, and really showed that they're a team on the up, I think. Well, yeah, well, the, the, a lot of their key contributors are young. So, yeah. Nassim Shah, Barbara Azam. Mohammad Rizwan. I think before that Australia series, their board must have just said, look, we're going to look to the future. And they've made some really big calls. They, they cut their captain, Safraz Ahmed, um, and just said, well, we're going to send a youth team essentially to Australia and they're going to learn some hard lessons, yeah. <laughs> which they did. Um, and it seems to now starting to be taking fruition. It's, it's you know, the... They've got a bit of steel about them. Well, we did uh, we did cop a lot of um, uh, Wazim Akram and Imran Khan interviews through all the rain delays, and, and yeah. they're, they're both very excited about the state of Pakistan cricket. They're in the process of hopefully being able to go home very soon and play yeah. consistent, um, consistently be playing international matches in Pakistan, which is in, which is really important. They're they're liking the um, the young guys that are in the side. I mean, Wazim Akram hasn't met a young bowler that he hasn't liked. I don't think no. he's full of praise for any young fast bowler. So might take from that what you will. But um, yeah, yeah, so I, I think you're right. The Pakistan they're a team that um, looks like they're heading in the right direction. 
Um, obviously, guys like um, Asad Shafiq and uh, Azhar Ali are getting towards the twilight of their careers, so yeah. they're yeah, going to be big yeah. shoes to fill. I think you need a bit of experience mixed in with the youth. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's a pretty good balance right now, and I hope they can can maintain that balance. And, and you know, I think Pakistan have got to be looking to be that fifth-ranked side, you know, solid fifth, fourth. That's that's their kind of next step, and then then see what they can do from there. Coming from there as their team matures. I, th- yeah. I think the only problem with that is the whole India situation at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, they can't play each other. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Is that is that the case? That is a thing. They're only, the only time they ever play each other is at like a World Cup. Right. They haven't played a test against each other in a long, long time. Political tensions. Yeah, but it's been like that. It's a political thing. It's been like that for a long time. Like, I mean, not that they can't play it, each other, but there's always been a lot of spot. Yeah, but... You know, anyone who's... Who's uh, read a YouTube comment section of a cricket <laughs> video knows that. <laughs> uh. um, steering back to England, um, well, it's well done. You can't really argue with what they've done there. They've two from two from the test series they've played there. Um, yeah. I believe a win would have actually elevated them above us in the ICC World Cham- World Test Championship. We got them into second, but um, right. So they they haven't done that but with the draw. At home so much, like. They really need to make that adjustment, don't they, to the to the points. Mm. Like a, an away win should be worth more. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. But it's the the rules we're playing with at the moment, so we'll work on that from now. But uh, yeah. so I think they've slotted into third. I have to check the standings, but I think they're third overall now. So um, it puts a lot of a lot of emphasis on um, the Australian India series coming up later this year. Um, not only will we want to win it, but we want to win as many games as we can because obviously wins are carry. Carry the points, so yeah. we don't want to. Ideally, you don't want to lose any game. So, um, I think England have really announced themselves due to their the strength of playing at home, as they are a force to be reckoned with and not to be counted out too early in this World Test yeah. World Test Championship. They could quite easily supplant either us or India if and the they, results don't go our way. And regardless, if they get into that top two, they get a home final. Yeah, so that's another <laughs> big important thing. They're playing at home, so yeah. So yeah, very very important. But yes, yeah, so um, they they're looking good. Like I said, they I think Crawley looks phenomenal. I think he's a guy that's going to play a lot of cricket. Um, you know, Joss Butler. When things look are going well for Joss Butler, he looks like he belongs. It's just yeah, being able to consistently sit in that zone. And he needs to work on his glove work. Still, it's it's still not. Right. Yeah, he put down quite a pretty straightforward chance, which would have been James Anderson's 600th, I believe, pretty yeah. early on. I mean, he's he's convinced me with the bat now. It's you know, it's, and and he always had it in him. It's just getting. It's yeah. like I said in a couple of podcasts ago. I think they need to give um, Joss Butler a license to go out there and just be yeah assertive. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's looking to score runs, everything lines up better. His defence lines up better. His footwork lines up better. His body position lines up better. He just looks more comfortable. When he goes out there and he's trying to occupy the crease and survive for the amount of balls and all this sort of stuff, he just he, he just he over, it looks like he overthinks it and he doesn't get himself in the right positions. He doesn't defend properly. There's gaps between bat and pad. He's overbalancing. His head's not over top of the ball. When he's out there, comfortable scoring other runs. other than that, he looks good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, go out there with him. Give him a licence to go, Joss, just go out and score some runs. And then and you go, and you live with that. When it works, pays off. 
yeah. get you get probably you know you get Gilchrist light essentially yeah, exactly yeah when it doesn't yeah. also known as Haddon <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll give you that one I'll give you Haddon <laughs> but not Gilchrist light. Well, that's essentially the mole they're looking for is that I aggressive that, yeah. lower middle order player yes, to be in the, their keeper. They need a better keep. Like, he's just, just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't, it sick. I wouldn't go garbage, but yeah, he didn't have a great series with the gloves. Either series, to be honest, wasn't well, great it, with the gloves. I wonder if Don Best can keep. <laughs> well, he, he can't do anything else. Um, <laughs> if, if the thing with Test cricket. Some batsmen give you one opportunity. That one opportunity. If you put Coley down on four. Absolutely, yeah. 100% agree. Oh, he will cost you the game. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately. You're right. He's, his keeping isn't sharp enough, but it's not the, he's not the worst gloveman going around. Like that poor guy who put Lara down on, on two uh, in a county game. And he scored and he 500. Score 500. <laughs> yeah, he, he batted all day. Like all day for five days. Uh, it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so England are on 292 points and Australia is on 296. So, yeah, they've, they've, cl- they've closed the gap. Yes, however, they have played in four series um, and 15 matches and we've only played in three and ten. So, yeah, they've got... They've, so we've, got a, we've got a bit of a... The, um, obviously, the... The home summer we had where we didn't drop a single test was really big for us because yeah. England obviously had a loss and a bunch of draws in those series against Pakistan and the West Indies, which watered down the amount of points they got. But they've got themselves right up in contention. So if we um, have, a, have a poor run, either us or India have a poor run, they're right there ready to make that leap. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so I think England are looking good. Like I said, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about it. Dom Bess is probably their weak link at the moment. What are they going to do about a spinner? Um, Burns and Sibley have showed enough to be persisted with, but you'd really like to see them break through and do something more consistent in the short term. I think they're not on, I don't think their heads are on the chopping block, but then they're, they're only penciled into the 11 at the moment, I would think. I don't think they're long term. Yeah, locked in certainties, but they haven't. With, to... with Zach Crawley scoring so many runs, mm. you know, like that guy could open. Yeah, absolutely. He, like he I'm pretty open. sure he is a county opener. So yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Then they've got their bowling attack, which is looking pretty sharp. You know, Anderson and Broad are doing what Anderson Broad always do. Uh, Wokes is there about. He's going to be one of the interesting ones where they persist with taking him on tour. He hasn't really travel well. Unfortunately for Chris Wokes, I think his average is fifty three away from home with the ball, which is well, it's terrible. Let's not sugarcoat it. He's yeah. very much a, a home track bully with the ball. Um, and then you've got uh, Joffre Archer, who again I think underperformed in this series compared to his Ashes series. Well, so there's um, no comparison. Like people are a bit bewildered by that. You know, how someone can be so ferocious in one series and now he doesn't really well, he doesn't really touch one forty. They threw the ball to Stuart Broad for a spell to be that round the wicket, hit the pitch in force, and I'm like, You have Joffre Archer. <laughs> yeah, I mean 
This is what I, he's being he paid was, to do. He was way better when he was he was just letting rip. Maybe they know. should just like hypnotize him and tell him tell him every batsman is Steve Smith. There's a new rule. Steve Smith gets to have ten wickets and he plays for every country. Anyway, maybe maybe that was just one a one time thing. That maybe that was the only time he could do that. But then again, you know, we've seen him in twenty twenty cricket really ramp it up and obviously you're gonna bowl quicker because you've only got to bowl four overs, but Maybe just, that's got to be his role. It just seems to be like they just haven't... You'd think that situations would have occurred that um, Root would have more consistently wanted more pace out of him. Mike, he's obviously a skilled yeah. bowler. He's got the ability to swing the ball and do all of those things, but you've got so many players at your disposal that can do that. You would have thought that Joe Root would have been like, all right, I need you to take the skirt off. And yeah. hit one, hit one forty-five, one fifty. Well, and you know, eight, hit ninety miles per hour plus for me, Joffre for five overs. Go out and rough them up. Yeah, we just haven't seen that since uh, that Ashes series. So, just Sean Tate it is what you're saying. Yeah, Mitch, let loose, Mitchell wild Johnson. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except have a better career than Sean Tate <laughs> in the long form. <laughs> Sean Tate's long form career was borderline non-existent. Yeah, or well, even he said he want odds. Can't do that. I'm just going to go and play 2020. Yeah, <laughs> his bowling style wasn't suited at all for long form cricket. He's a guy that bowls it short or bowls Yorkers, and for for short periods of time. I mean, the the thing is, the the reason he got into Australia was that he he did take long form wickets for South Australia quite consistently. At that a low and average. McGrath got injured, and Gillespie was. Garbage. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Gillespie in that. Series. He just got the yips and anyway. forgot how to bowl. Yeah, right, we're moving on. So that's tangent. it. Tangent, tangent done. So um, that we'll move on from that series. So as two slips in the gully, offer our condolences. We we did want more out of Pakistan, but you didn't quite get it. And a hearty congratulations to England. We'll uh, yes, yeah. rough you up hearty next time you're out here. Congratulations, congratulations. <laughs> I really like that that happened. <laughs> All right, stick around because I'm dragging the soapbox back out straight after this. Tell everybody in the place to just get out. We'll get clean together. And I'll find me a soapbox where I can shout it. Yeah, I can think of one or two things to say. Uh, listen. Yes, that's it. The soapbox is back. I know I had one last week, but no one had one for this week, so I'm going again. And um, it might smack as a little hypocritical, considering the, uh, the 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 praise we just finished giving James Anderson. But this rant that I'm about to go on with is about James Anderson. Well, not specifically James. Not Ed- being good enough. No. <laughs> not specifically James Anderson, but the reception that James Anderson's got on social media at large since taking his 600 wicket. Now, I'm not saying that it's the majority. The majority of people have got their heads screwed on right, but there is a much larger minority than I thought there would be that not only think that James and that thinks James Anderson's right near the very top of the tree in terms of fast bowlers, and the one that of all re- time, of all time, of all, of all time. time, and the one that specifically like got into my brain and just started making a mess was the assertion that James Anderson is a better fast bowler than Glenn McGrath. 
I'd, if I could reach through my phone to punch people on Facebook, that would have been the time to do it. I could not believe that, A, there was someone yeah. that thought that and, B, enough people arguing the point that James Anderson is better than Glenn McGrath. It is um, utterly absurd. The, the only time that can ever be right is when you're talking about batting. I don't know. <laughs> That's the only time. Like, you've got an argument there. I think they've both got 150. Yeah. Each, so... Well, he's got the yeah. high score of 81, where Glenn McGrath was 62. Wasn't it not out, though? Or he yeah. was not so out. So he was robbed no. of 100. Um, Gillespie he, robbed him of 100. He averages yeah. 9.65, and I think Glenn McGrath ended up about uh. there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're talking batting, to separate the two of them, you know you're grasping at straws. Yeah. And sorry. I'm sorry, but we're going to go back to the batting thing in a minute, because <laughs> Glenn, every time Glenn McGrath went out, he went out with, like... He was going to score a ton. He had gusto. All, he really did. And <laughs> Jimmy Anderson's like, oh, man, why do I have to bet? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, what, back to the rant. What incredibly frustrates about this is the only thing that James Anderson has got is the bigger number next to total wickets. And that's it. Yeah. Now, I think... Now, there's no taking away from that achievement. But go on. Sorry. You're right. <laughs> He's got 600 wickets because he's played 156 matches. I think James Anderson fits somewhere in the 15 to 25, maybe 30 all-time fast bowlers range. He's in that sort of bracket. He is right at the very, very, very top of that next level of guys. Guys like Johnson, Lee, Malinga, Zahi Khan, Gillespie, those sort of guys. Right at the very top of that. The guy averages a career average of 26, which on its face is impressive. Yeah. But he plays in England for over half of his tests with a juke ball in mainly overcast conditions, which is exactly what he needs to play well. His average everywhere else in the world, barring one or two places, is well north of 30, and that is pedestrian. Brett Lee averages 30, and no one talks about Brett Lee being in the upper echelon of bowlers all time. Yeah. Unless you're talking about speed, proper fast bowlers like Express. James Anderson's he just he just isn't he just isn't in that bracket. I I reckon before the end of this rant, I'm gonna I'm gonna multitask. I'm gonna rant and come up with a list of players who good, I think good. are going to be better than James Anderson all time. Yeah, okay. James Anderson's main attribute is his ability to stay healthy. Yeah. That is phenomenally good. To be a fast bowler and play 156 test matches being a frontline fast bowler mm. is phenomenal. Guys like Dale Stane... I mean, the Stain, work that has to be done off the field to k- just get yourself to that condition. Yeah, and I will never Great. take that away from him. He's obviously yeah. a world-class bowler. He, uh-huh. he, he belongs playing test cricket. He's good enough to be there, but he's not as good as some of the all-time greats. He just isn't. No. He's got an average of 26. He's like, okay... The big guns that mm-hmm. uh, that Glenn McGrath would have had to face would have been the West Indies. Right. They would have been the primary team. So but Glenn McGrath's career average against the West Indies is 20. Yeah. And James, James Anderson's big guns that he would have had to face for his career would have been South Africa yeah. and Australia. Yep. So I've got here those stats. So James Anderson's stats versus Australia. Okay. 34.5. Yeah, over how many? Uh, 32 matches. 32 matches. Gosh, just against one side. Um, uh, South Africa was 31. This 31. is this is his total average, not tr- oh, not yeah. touring. Okay. And India, the other big team he would have faced, 
is 26. Now we go to touring. He averages 35 in Australia, which I would like to point out, though, his average versus Australia versus his average in Australia is identical, which means that James Anderson isn't even that good against Australia at home. Right, yeah. When you're asking if your marquee test series being the Ashes and your number one gun bowler averages north of 30 against that opposition. Yeah. Did you did you say 30 in Australia, 35? So his overall average against Australia yeah. is 34. Yeah. His average in Australia is yeah. 35. Oh, I thought he would be worse than that, but yeah, okay. Um, in India, 33. In South Africa, 34. So he's well north of 30 in the against the top echelon teams we would have had to have played. Yeah. So McGrath, what are we going to say? The West Indies would have been a powerhouse. His overall average against the West Indies was 19. Yeah. His average in the West Indies was 20. Who else going to talk about? England. So the marquee test lineup. His average versus England was nearly 21. Yeah. His average in England was 19. Yeah. yeah, I saw some of those. He was great. Like <laughs> in against India, he was all right. Yeah. Against India, eighteen. In India, twenty-one. In fact, the he average twenty-one in India. The only on place those dead pitches that there's nothing for a fast bowler. There. The only place in the world McGrath has ever averaged over thirty is Pakistan. He played five tests in Pakistan between ninety-four and ninety-eight, and he averaged thirty-one. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful by his standard. But, um, you know, most fast bowlers go to Pakistan and they've got those dead pitches. They'd be happy to average 31. Glenn McGrath has a better average in England than James Anderson. Right. James Anderson's average in England is, hang on, bear with me for a moment, is 24, 23.8, and McGrath's yeah. average, like I said, obviously, it's 19. 19. There is just no quantifiable way that James Anderson is a better bowler than Glenn McGrath. It just isn't. Yeah, no. He he has earned those wickets, all 600 of them, by being good enough to play test cricket mm-hmm. and being healthy enough to yeah. stay playing test cricket for as long as he have. And that is phenomenally commendable because there's... No one's done it. Yeah. He's the he's t- he played the fifth most amount of tests of all time of any player, batsman, all rounder, wicketkeeper, anyone. Fifth all time in total tests, and there's more to come. Yeah. Like he's still going to play more. I don't think there's that much more. The guy's thirty eight years old. Well, he just took a fiver. Like he he looks like he's got plenty of time left in him. I mean, there's less days in front of him than there are be- behind, but I don't think he's getting ready to hang the boots up right this second. So, no, he's, I mean, he's talking about getting 700. So <laughs> I think there's plenty in there. He's obviously feeling... He was 40, maybe. Apparently he's never been 40 before. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there just simply isn't any quantifiable way that he is a better bowler than McGrath. He has earned those wickets by, like I said, I think he's... You take the all-time great players... He's in the next tier, yeah. which is still very, very good. That's still yeah. a very, very good test player, and he's done that for so long that yeah. he's accrued 600 wickets. So the, the Gillespies, the McDermott's, it's, the Shamindavasas, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Jav- Javagal Srinath. Makai Rantini. Ah, uh, yeah, Makai Maybe Courtney. No, Courtney Walsh is probably. <laughs> Courtney Walsh is a, is a, yeah, up there. Just maybe just like the, the Ian Bishop. Yeah. Ian Bishops of the world. Brett Lee, Mitchell Johnson. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Those guys who were great, but maybe not You know, Trent Bolt. They're yeah. not going to be all-time. You're not going to pick them for your World Eleven. Yeah. All-time World Eleven, And that's only just – I'm just talking – Maybe even Shane Bond. And I'm only talking, like, post-World Series cricket. I reckon you can go back at guys like Larwood and Laker and some of those guys that have played yeah. way back when. Like, there'd be plenty of those guys that he's not better than as well. So I'm but just talking players – <laughs> There'd be plenty of those guys that he's not better than as well. Sorry, that just really got me. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't know enough of their statistics to go over dot through all of them, but like Alan Davidson, for example, and players like that that have... Yeah. Yeah, he's at the top of that, though. Well, let's go, let's go, like, have a list. So we've got, obviously, I think Glenn McGrath is a better bowler than him. Yes. Wazzy Matt Cram. Yep. Curtly Ambrose. Yep. Malcolm Marshall. Definitely. Courtney Walsh. Yep. Uh, Dennis Lilly. Yep. Richard Hadley. Uh-huh. Wackar Yunus. Wackar Yunus, yep. Um, I actually think Bob Willis is a better bowler than James Anderson. Yeah. Alan Donald. Alan Donald. Dale Stain. Dale Stain. That's 11. So he doesn't even make a, a world <laughs> 11 of bowlers. Um, let me think. Joel Garner. Michael Holding. Yeah. There's a lot of good bowlers. Just put it this way. You're shit, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> He's not listening. Just, like, we just needed to take him down a peg. You know, a tall poppy syndrome. <laughs> Welcome it's to not so much. It's not so much James Anderson. I know people, no, are, people no. are probably going to listen to this and go, these Aussies hate James Anderson. That's not the case of this round We do, but not for that reason. <laughs> I, I hate James Anderson because he's made us look special. Good. Like, just look like we're got nothing half the time we go to England. The issue I've got with this rant is the people that are just looking at right now and all they can see in front of them is a bowler that's taken 600 wickets and not taking anything yeah. else into consideration and not respecting the past at all. Yeah. Like, not... I don't, just think, the, I don't think even James Anderson would be walking around going, I'm an all-time great now. Well, I had, there's on. a guy that told me that he would... He picks... Because I had an argument that was basically McGrath versus Anderson. He said, I would pick McGrath and Anderson in my all-time world 11. I'm like, so well, you think... Fine. You think that James Anderson is the th in the top three seamers of all time? Yeah. Look, I mean, don't even look at the, the numbers, right? If Glenn McGrath is fit for a test during his career, it doesn't matter where you are. You could be at Lords, You could be at the Wacker. You could be on a green top in South Africa. You could be on a dead pitch in India. If he's fit, you're picking him. Can you say the same thing about James Anderson? Like if they came over here, let, let's say there's there's not going to be, but let's say there was an Ashes later next year. They're even thinking that they're, they're not. They're even tossing up whether they put him on in the squad. That's all we heard about all through like, this summer was people suggesting that James Anderson just becomes a home track bully. Don't take him on tours. Keep him here. He might be able to play another five years yeah. if you just have him. There's it's conjecture about that. that yeah. Like, and that's that's the conversation that is that's not just some crackpot. That has got momentum. Yeah. There are multiple people thinking maybe this could be the best way to get Jimmy to seven hundred is if we just keep him at home yeah. and let him play at home where yeah. he's more effective. And it's like, well, you can't be yeah. the best bowler of all time, or even remotely close to the best bowler of all time, if you're hiding him from Yeah. 
from places in the world, and I'm sorry. Wrap him in, and I, wrap him in I bubble will, wrap. Put him in a bubble. I will concede that James Anderson has improved out of sight during the, the latter years of his career to be effective in places like the subcontinent where he not normally has shown. But still, averaging like that away from home, like those averages are a – they're a 30-40 test career. Yeah. If, you, if you're averaging – you play 40 tests and your average is around about 30-odd, that's where you're getting. You're getting somewhere between 30 and may, depending on the strength of your country's bowling lineup, you're, you're not playing much more than 50 tests if your career average is sitting around 30. And that's what yeah. he does anywhere but England. Yeah. I, I think to be an all-time great, you've got to tick those bo- boxes. No matter where you are in the world, if you're fit, you're playing for your team. That would, would be the same for Kurtley. It would be the same for Alan Donald. It would be the same for Stain and all of those names that we just gave you. Oh, I think on a cloudy day in England with a brand-new juke ball, there are maybe three bowlers I would pick ahead of James Anderson. And one of them's Glenn McGrath. Glenn McGrath, <laughs> Malcolm Marshall, and Wazim Apcram. Oh. So he'd be your fourth oh. seamer. My bag's not batting. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the Who guys to bat in that situation, <laughs> and I think that's really and like to be in that company is fantastic. But it unfortunately, is. cricket is played all across the globe in all kinds of weather conditions with different balls, and unfortunately, James Anderson's got a very specific requirement to be in the same ilk as those bowlers. When it's not doing that, James yeah. Anderson has shown on more than one occasion that he's, in fact, fairly pedestrian when he doesn't have things going his way. Yeah. Ask George Bailey. Gorgeous George doesn't think much of the all-time great James Anderson. <laughs> and I suppose that's only one over. I'm yeah. sure Anderson's got... Yeah. If someone will go and show me the stats, I'm sure Anderson picked up Bailey a few times. But that's what I mean. For James Anderson to be considered in that same class, he needs to have very specific atmospheric and ball conditions to be in that. Whereas all those other guys, Akram, McGrath, Marshall, didn't matter. Duke ball, Kookaburra, flat track in India, cloudy day. Fisherman's friends. Whatever. Uh, I mean. They went and played and excelled everywhere, whatever the conditions. James Anderson to be in that. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to James Anderson. I know that he has shown to be able to take wickets when it's not overcast with a brand new ball. But that's primarily when he's at his most dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So. I I think if you're one of those people, the message is. Don't get caught up in the moment. Educate yourself. and, And respect the history of our game, for goodness sake, rather than looking at. Uh, only the last few years, or just something because it's shiny and new in, in front yeah, of there's nothing. Like go go on YouTube for half an hour and watch Kurtley Ambrose best of. I mean, that's great. I love doing that. <laughs> the, the the argument coming back is all it really matters is wickets. You got to take wickets to win games, and he's got more of them. See, the thing is with that, it's taken him a long, long time to get to those wickets. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's point well made. So uh, yes, if you're one of those people that have been just putting up your filth on the internet talking about James stop Anderson, stop it. Being in that ilk, <laughs> educate yourself a little bit. It isn't disrespectful to be honest about where he sits. He is a phenomenal talent. 
he has taken 600 wickets. To be that good for that long is a feat in itself. But don't kid yourselves. James Anderson just simply isn't in that same class as some of these all-time greats. I think somewhere between 15 and 25 is happily where he sits. And if you're a top 20 all-time bowler, this is a game that's gone on for over 100 years now. Yeah. That's an impressive statistic. Mm. Just calm down, put the lotion away. (laughs) (laughs) Just look past the number 600 and educate yourself and don't be so (laughs) disrespectful to some of the all-time greats that have gone by. Like, there are some phenomenally good bowlers. Like, Michael Holding only took 249 wickets. Yeah. And he is consistently talked about as being one of the very, very best to play the game. It's it isn't simply just the yeah. total wickets. Yeah, yeah. but there's so other factors that go into it as well. Saying that as well, Don Bradman didn't score ten thousand runs. Oh, it's the, I made the exact same argument. I said, so are you saying? Because the example I used, you think that Michael Clark is a better batsman than Don Bradman? Michael Clark has three thousand extra runs than Don Bradman. No, Don Bradman is clearly a better batsman than Michael Clark. That doesn't mean that Michael Clark is a bad batsman. It just means that he's not as good as this person, yeah. which I think is the thing that the pro James Anderson people don't get. Whenever you disparage James Anderson, they don't see it as – they just see it as black and white. If you don't think I'm right, then you must think that Anderson's garbage. There is a scale here. Just because he's not as good as Glenn McGrath – doesn't mean that he's rubbish. It just means he's there's, not as good as Glenn McGrath. There's a lot of people in the world who are not as good as Glenn McGrath. I'm going to say there is no one in the world that's <laughs> better than Glenn McGrath. <laughs> and shout out to Glenn too. I ran into him at Macca's a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were drunk. I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I refused to go and talk to him. Because you were drunk. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be sitting there going, you want to be that guy. I'm not going to embarrass myself. I won't do it. We're not worthy. <laughs> Just face it, if we were there, we would have embarrassed ourselves even if we were sober. Yeah, but my mother-in-law yeah. was there, so. <laughs> <laughs> Kept you in line. All right, well, I'm going to put the soapbox away for that. So, yes, that's my message from here. A, respect the, the path that has come before to get to here and look past what's happened right here and now. And B, just because we say that James Anderson isn't this good doesn't mean that he's absolute crap so just there's in between space he can be good without being as good as the greats just calm your farms not everything needs to turn into a fight on the internet all right that'll do for the rant we're crossing away from now and maybe someone might have another one next week but um i don't know i might have another one to go So, as promised, we are here to talk about the upcoming ODI tour to England. Um, so, Australia's named a fairly comprehensive squad. Um, so, I'll go through the squad now. Aaron Finch, obviously, is the captain. Sean Abbott makes the squad. Ashton Agar, Alex Carey, Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood, Manus Labuschagne, Nathan Lyon, Mitchell Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, Riley Meredith, Josh Philippi, Daniel Sams, Kane Richardson, Stephen Smith, Mitchell Stark, Marcus Stoinis, Andrew Ty, Matthew Wade, David Warner, and Adam Zampa have all made the squad. So some notable um, exclusions of that. Travis Head didn't make it. 
Uh, Usman Khawaja didn't make it. Michael Neeson didn't make it. And Ben McDermott. And Darcy Short, actually, didn't get in either. So um, mm. pretty telling. Um, Philippi, Sams, and Riley Meredith have all... That's This is going to be their first squad. I think that's their, their rookie squads for an ODI tour. I can't remember Meredith making one. So, yeah, I think they're, they're debutantes, mm. um, which obviously will mean that um, I'm pretty sure that Shane Warne is a very, very happy man. and Yeah, he loves that guy. Um, he's talking up Riley. They were sort of talking about He also about the, talked up Michael Beer. Let's be, let's be realistic here. They were talking up the series in commentary in the last test match and um, to Shane Warne would tell everyone that would listen to keep his eye out for Riley Meredith. So um, He also said that about Xavier Doherty, so... Let's not get carried away. Yeah, no, he's he's got a his stamp of approval is uh, it's, it's given out broad. pretty <laughs> given out pretty easily. Um, so there'll be four. We play four warm up warm up games against each other against each other, and then we play three T twenties at the Rose Bowl, and then three ODIs at Old Trafford in Manchester. As the, so, the same as what we where we've watched the tests. So, so the twenties are first. Twenties are first. Um, so they're coming up pretty soon. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's a pretty good squad. I don't really think there's anyone that's really jumping out other than obviously Darcy Short. But they've got Finch and Warner, who you'd think could open the batting. Mm. Um, Matthew Wade, Marcus Stoinis were obviously considered opening batsmen as well, especially for the T20s. Yeah, I dare say they'll be... Uh, Philippi be considered an opening batsman for the T20s. Um, probably a lower order batsman if he makes it. To the the ODI squad, I just don't. They probably figure they had too many, too many openers to really warrant giving Darcy Shaw to go, which is, which is unfortunate. Um, and his form last year wasn't wasn't all that great. We had a pretty successful Big Bash tournament. Um, yeah, all things considered, I think he's probably a little unlucky, but you know you can't take everyone, I suppose. And, and honestly, like in our in a, our best T Twenty ODI lineup. Finch and Warner are going to open the batting for both of those. So, and then Smith will bat at three. You reckon? Yeah, they they use Smith pretty exclusively at three in the ODIs. I'm not 100 percent sure what they're oh, going to do with the with the yeah. T20s, but I'd imagine Smith's got to come in either three or four, three or earlier rather than later because he's just not one of those guys that you want sort of really want trying to come in and forcing issues late in the test, which we watch we ran into in the World Cup. Steve Smith had to come in at four because we had to find a place for Usman Khawaja because Usman Khawaja definitely couldn't bat at four because he's too slow um, and just meant that Smith didn't get enough time at the crease to really maximise what he could do. So I think Smith will be yeah. pretty exclusively batting at three. Marnus Labuschagne was used at four in mm. the um, the recent tour to India that we had, so I'd imagine that... He killed it, um, just like everything else he's done. Scored a, what, 250s and 100, I think, in that. So, um, yep. looked pretty handy. So, I'd say that, yeah, for the ODIs, your top four is very much going to look like um, Warner, Finch, um, Smith and Labuschagne, which then runs into where do you put short after that. You're probably going to have, you know, uh, Glenn Maxwell will probably take a spot there in there is, somewhere. Is he back? Mm. Yeah, he's in that. He's scored a, a hundred in one of the warm-up games. Yeah, and you probably don't want to drop short into a position he's not used to. Yeah, he's definitely doing. a guy. He's not a finisher, hmm. you know. Uh, so he he breaks the back of a side in the first fifteen overs. He doesn't, you know, he, first five overs. <laughs> yeah, God, he's yeah. devastating when he gets going. He can be for sure. 
So, and there, yeah. So then you've also got Matthew Wade, who is in pretty good touch, and you could think he'd probably be in position to maybe at a middle order spot. So, yeah, they're just, I just think there's room for them to really get the good thing about that is you have a a backup keeper that way as Mm -hmm. well. Um, And then you've also got, you know, um, Alex Carey, who showed a lot of great things during the World Cup. Then they'll obviously play an all-rounder of some description, so whether it be Stoyness or Marsh in the middle order. So you're just running out of spots to put short. Please be Stoyness. I I don't know. They seem to think that Marcus Stoyness was a opener, and I'm using air quotes here that you can't see, obviously. So that's why he didn't get picked for the last ODI tour because... So I imagine he might open in the one da- in one of the T20s. Hopefully they've gotten over that because I think that he could be a good middle order player for the for the ODI side. I mean his his debut game he scored a hundred and nearly won an unwinnable game against New Zealand. He nearly got us home. So he's obviously a guy that when he when it works he's got ODI chops. So, but yeah, yeah. I just uh, I feel sorry for for. Um, Darcy Short, he's clearly a very talented player. He just always seems to just be on the outer. Yeah. Um, you might have to wait, unfortunately, until guys like David Warner well, give it away. On the plus side, you know, there's there's high-quality cricketers who are missing out again. You know, like we had a whole generation of those in the early 2000s <laughs> where it was just like, oh, man. We, we, we had I'm so, so sorry, Stewie Law, but... We've got a guy who's just slightly better. Um, or, that, or that guy from South Australia called Darren. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even he he was relatively unselfish during his career. I think he, he retired so that Clark could get a go. He scored. Um, he'd, he'd scored over ten thousand runs in. Yeah. In, anyway. Yeah. We talk about this all the time. We could. We really could. But um. Yeah, like uh. You know, when when you've got high quality players missing out on your squad, um, means you've got depth. I reckon, yeah, it's a good sign. Um, at large, the squad just it it has that it's 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 got that sort of feeling of the the fat's been cut off it. Do you know what I mean? Like, now it looks balanced too. I mean, yeah, you've got you've, yeah, you've got. Um, Nathan Lyon and Adam Zamper as your specialist spinners. Yeah. Your Maxwell, Labashane, off mm. your bit of part-time spin. Um, you got um, yeah. Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark. We all know what they can do in international cricketers. Kane Richardson's proven himself to be a more than handy um, short-form bowler. Then yeah. you've got Riley Meredith who's, you know. Well, what about Jai Richardson, though? Like, I, he... Looks so good. He's missed out on this one. I'm not sure what his health is like, but yeah, he's another one that has played all forms of cricket for Australia and missed out on this squad. Mm. Um, Daniel Sams is obviously we well, didn't have such a great season with the bat for the Thunder, but yeah. in in theory, he's a a, a left arm medium fast bowler that can quite easily clear a few boundaries so he's a wicket taker in the in the shortest form I, I don't think we'll see him in the 50s I don't think we'll I, I don't, don't think we'd think see we'll him in really all. any of them but I think he's a good player to have around the squad yeah um if he does get a game like he's a guy that could quite easily come in at eight nine ten and just mm. let loose and if he gets any time at the crease it could turn into quite an in- entertaining cameo yeah. And then has proven himself as a, with the Thunder to be a, you know, someone they can go to in the death. I don't think he'll get many death overs, but he's a yeah. guy that has um, got plenty of change-ups. Um, 
You know, Mitchell Marsh, we're talking about that whole potential thing again. If he gets it right, he looks like he's a world-class short-form player. Yeah. If he gets it wrong, he gets it wrong. I'm, I'm happy with him being there in the short form. I know we bag him a lot, but I think yeah. he deserves his he spot. He carries the drinks like a boss. He does what, <laughs> that's what he should be doing. He, he does have a fairly respectable... I think we might have last time we talked about Mitchell Marsh. You might not have been on the podcast yet, but Mitchell Marsh's uh, short-form chops are actually relatively respectable, 30-odd with the bat and ball in one day. So um, nothing too much to complain about there as an all-rounder. You'll take that. Mm. So, And then you've also sorry, oh, missed Ashton Agar at the top. So there's another yeah. um, sort of short-form bits and pieces player to fill in if we need it. And then yeah. Sean Abbott's been um, – well, he's gone from being the bowling machine to bowling boundaries into death to now he's actually turned himself into one of the elite um, short form bowlers for well, yeah, I mean, the, that, t- the big bash. That's up on me, but yeah, he, he takes a lot of wickets in that form. I'm a bit the, of a quandary, like, sorry, Glenn. Um, you right. Ashton Agar, um, Nathan Lyon, and Adam Zampa, who do you pick? Uh, I, th- I think I go with Zampa. It'd be very much depending on the conditions. I think that, um, I think Agar will get a run potentially if they want to pick more quicks, that spin's not quite an option and they want to strengthen their batting a little bit. So they'll go with him as a lower order or rounder and then go with, like, your Cummins Stark, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hazelwood, yeah, but I'd, I'd, Meredith sort I'd of. I so want to, like, I'd probably pick him in the T20s without, without a problem. Yeah, I don't think Nathan Lyon will play any of the T20s. But I, I, I'd I, be surprised. I, I think I'd, I'd pick Lyon at least in two of the, 50 over games. Depending on the conditions, I think that Agar might... If, I, if they don't think it's really going to be conducive to spin, I think Agar will get the, the pick and they'll go with their quicks. If they think that they need a specialist spinner and they might drop Agar, go Zampa, so they can then still keep... Because obviously the strength of the Australian bowling attack is going to be their fast bowling battery. Well, you got Pat Cummins. Hmm. Mitchell Stark. Mitchell Stark's probably the form T20 bowler Australia's got. Oh, yeah. He's... He's got it written on his wrist what he needs to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Right, so we still have a little bit of a chat about the, the challenge ahead of us because the, we are playing uh, England. Before we go on, uh, one more person who missed that, that squad, though. Nathan Wells. Uh, I, don't like, think, I don't think he's ta- going to be... The, maybe tas- the Tasmanian guy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the like, guy that was just sort of, yeah. Have I played for the stri- the Strikers? No, he played for uh, Hurricanes. Oh, yeah, the middle order. Yeah. He was he was great. He, he was great. I think that there's probably too much batting. Yeah. Okay. Um, big name batting ahead of him before he really gets a role. But we need yeah. someone to play uh, that role. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe they'll be like, Nathan, uh, you had a great year. Uh, we're just checking to see if it was a fluke. If he can produce Do it a year again, like, we'll, yeah. t- we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. If he can produce that kind of form again, uh, I think he'll be in the conversation for sure. Sorry. So England have yeah. named two separate squads. So we've just brought over the one touring oh, party. They would. So they've <laughs> named a T20 squad, which is Owen Morgan, who is the captain, Moen Alley, Joffre Archer, Bairstow, Tom Banton, Sam Billings, Joss Butler, Sam Curran, Tom Curran. Joe Denley, Chris Jordan, David Milan, Adil Rashid, and Mark Wood. So notably, Joe Root doesn't make the T20 squad, which I think is actually fair enough. I don't think Joe Root's much of a T20 player. And then the ODI squad is Owen Morgan as the captain, Moen Alley, Joffre Archer, Besto, Banton, Billings, Butler, Curran, 
Curran, Adil Rashid, Joe Root, Chris Wokes, and Mark Wood. So mm. they've got a very different attack, don't they? They they're, they're like they're, they're like we said in the, the lead into this that they're they're the big guns in short form cricket. Mm. Um, they were they were talking up scoring five hundreds. Yeah, in the in the World Cup at home didn't come to fruition, but they're a team that's uh, certainly capable of getting it done. So, yeah, um, some of these ODI guys have got a bit of a warm up against uh, Ireland and Pakistan. I mean, looking good. Owen Morgan has I don't think has I don't think his bat has edges. I think everything is just coming out of the middle at the moment. Some of what he's doing is just just phenomenal. <laughs> they need to give him a smaller bit. Give him a smaller bit. Um, the the currents are obviously good short form bowlers. They've got plenty of change up. Use changes of pace. Um, uh, Joffre Archer is going to be a handful. Um, Billings um, has looked pretty good in um, some of the formats. Um, so was Tom Banton. Tom Banton got a yeah. bit of a run playing over in Australia, and he started to look pretty good as well. Yeah, but just, just Banton opens really. Well, that's that's what I can remember him doing when he came over here. Just a question. In those squads you named, Aaron, mm-hmm. um, even the one-day squad didn't have Jimmy Anderson in it. James Anderson and Stuart Broad haven't played short-form cricket for um, England for a while. I understand that. But if you were the best bowler in the world, wouldn't you get picked at least a one-day side? <laughs> <laughs> well, McGrath uh, like retired at the same time, I think, from ODI. He, no, he actually went on to the world. He led... He's retired after finishing the 2007 World Cup as the leading wicket-taker. Right. Yeah. Booyah! Anyway, <laughs> just really just nailing that <coughs> off. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Tom Banton's been opening for the um, yep. the T20 side against Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's good squads. Both sides have, um, have picked good squads. England, obviously, going to be the favourites, which is actually really... What? Hurts me in my soul to say, yeah. England at home. They're the form. Like I know we're patriotic Australians, but we're we're on a podcast here, Gary. We need to be a little bit even keeled at some points. England would yeah. be the favourites heading into this series, uh, there. and they did spank us last time we were over. Oh there. yeah, did they? What? Wow. Um, you know, not only that, they're even if we were slightly ahead of England, which we're not. England have had two series again to get into the swing of things. They, we're just they, playing yeah. warm up games. Have had a lot more game time. Um, so yeah, um, some notable, notable signs coming out of the warm-ups. Uh, Glenn Maxwell hit a hundred in one of the one ODI warm-ups. Uh, good. Uh, Labuschagne and Carey both scored hundreds in a T Twenty game, which yeah, was well, one was off fifty balls and the other one was off something ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, it's almost too fast. Yeah, one was uh, Labuschagne scored a hundred off fifty-one balls and Carey scored a hundred and seven off sixty. Um, uh, who faced the other nine balls? <laughs> <laughs> in that Sorry. in that one in that same game, um, what you know they play. Nathan Lyon took fourfer in one of those games as well. So he's clearly I'm still a muppet. So it's, uh, there's some good signs coming there. Marcus Stoinis has been in the runs as well. Um, he mm. got a 68 off off 37. Um. So yeah, it's um. Why didn't they televise these games? Because everyone in Australia would want to see it. They're warm up games, and they're being played in a bubble. They probably can't have the media in. Don't care. Uh, Australia A. 
Australia. Yeah, I don't. I can't tell you why they're just not. The Sky Sports decided not to show the, the Aussies mucking well, around and having a game. Well, twenty years ago they would have. I watched the Mercantile Mutual Cup every Saturday. Yeah, yeah. it was great. That was a great tournament. It really was. <laughs> Bring back the signs. Yeah, and the crowd catches for money. <laughs> the crowd catches for money were good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, obviously I think weather's going to take a part. I think we're going to lose, probably going to have two no results, one in the T20s, one in the ODIs. Uh, I think we're going to have a no result in just because of the weather. <laughs> in the 2020 game, no result? Yeah, I reckon one of the, one of those games, I reckon, is just it's just going to bark uh, it down and right. we're not going to get anything. Welcome to England. Um, oh, I'm, I'm going to go because I'm just... Because I'm Australian, I'm going to go cautiously optimistic. I think we we come out of this with a win. I reckon we, yeah. So a win. Are you? Are we talking like separate series or like is it all rolled into one? And oh, well, let's go. So we've got three T20s. So what best, do we reckon? Uh, okay. I reckon we'll win two of those. Two one or two nil. Uh, two one or. Okay, let's just take the weather out of it. Let's assume all yeah. games go to two yeah. one Australia. I, I, I wish I was that optimistic. I think it'll be 2-1 England. I think 2-1 England for the T20s, and I think 2-1 yeah. Australia for the ODIs. I think the other yeah. one. Yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. I, I think we can get them in the 50 overs. There's no Ben Stokes in that team, which is going to be a really big loss to that to that side. They are a very strong side without them. Um, but I do think they come back to the pack a little more without, without Ben Stokes in that middle order. Historically, we still haven't quite... Worked out the T20 Look, internationals either. And well, we cleaned them up in the first go- in that World Cup we played. It was one all. They beat us in the semi final, which obviously knocked Just us out. But we um, we cleaned them up in the first round, so they're not heads and shoulders above us. But um, we also didn't. Oh yes, we had Smith and Warner back by then. Sorry, mm. <laughs> we really haven't been taking T20 cricket seriously for very long. <laughs> no, no. I, I kind of preferred it. Really. Oh, I think we've we we got to grow out of that that attitude. I think cricket Australia has been taking T Twenty cricket for seriously for long enough. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a period when it first became a thing that other see other nations seemed to jump on the T Twenty bandwagon as a legitimate competitive outlet and a lot quicker than we did. And we're like, oh yeah, just. Yeah. I, I honestly think since two thousand and ten, we've been trying to take it seriously when we lost in the World Cup final to England. Yeah. I think when that if happened... That's what it took. <laughs> when that happened, we've just gone, right, we can't muck around with this anymore. We, we can't lose to England at anything. And, yeah, we've just been behind the eight ball and haven't really figured it out. Uh, like, other teams are a bit more creative where we just sort of try to play it like a quicker one-day international and sometimes that's not yeah. the case. So... Um, I think a lot of it. Too. I think we've come a long way in a short period of time, but I don't think it, we can't sit on that. Oh, it's twenty twenties. We don't take it seriously. Cricket Australia, like we don't take it seriously, but Cricket Australia takes T Twenty cricket seriously, and we just uh, we just haven't quite hit that mark yet to um, to get it all right, which is a bit disappointing considering some of the money that some of these players command in the IPL, some yeah. of the more high paid players. Maxwell, Cummins, Stark, people like that, and we just haven't quite made it stick. Mm. But I'm cautiously optimistic. I think we're probably going to go down in the T20s, but I think we're going to go up in the one days. Yep. At least that's what I'm hoping. I can't, I can't stand another whitewashing like we got last <laughs> no. time. No. 
No. In the words of Justin Langer, don't think it's okay to get beaten to nil by England. <laughs> no. Uh, gosh. We're sorry, Langers, you had to endure that. <laughs> All right. I think that'll do us for another episode. We've gone on yeah. quite long enough. Hope you've enjoyed that one. That wraps yeah. up the English test summer. So I think the next time we get to talk about a test match will probably be when Afghanistan come and grace our shores to play at Optus Stadium. Well, let's hope it happens. I hope so do get I. that far. <laughs> um, unfortunately, ODI cricket in England is not at a very friendly time for us to be sitting up watching it. So our analysis of those games might be somewhat limited by highlights and scorecard reading but we'll go and have a chat about it as it unfolds so uh, get ready yeah. for those ones um and we'll be back next week with all new cricketing content for you thanks very much guys have a good one see ya bye over sports social podcast network